Welcome back to the latest episode of the CJ Tour Podcast. As always here, I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And this week, I am back. It's time to talk some football again. So it's time to talk the NFL Draft. We just had the NFL Draft wrap up for 2023. None other than Draft Guru, but the big draft fan himself, Patrick McDermott. That's for sure. Uh, is joining here. Uh, Patrick, how's it going? Going great, man. I love the draft. Uh, it is the best time of the year. It is the second Super Bowl. Only two teams get to play in the Super Bowl, but every team gets to draft. That's what I say. And all of these players are unproven. Some of them are proven at the college level, uh, but they all have something to prove at the NFL level, which means they could all be they could all be busts or they could all be gems. And only time will tell. And that's the fun of the draft. You get to see, you get a sneak preview of where your team could be this year, where your team could be in three years. There's hope for everybody. There's uh, there's plenty of things to overreact to. There's plenty of numbers to look at, plenty of rankings. It's just the best time of the year. Well, he said every team gets draft. The Dolphins didn't get their first rounder this year because uh, they couldn't keep themselves from Tom Brady news, at least. But that's me. That's me poking fun at the Dolphins. Like I will poke fun at every NFL franchise this one podcast. You know, it's part of it here. No one. Uh, with that being said, here I don't think anyone necessarily like clearing away wins a draft the day the you know where it's a Sunday after. We need three to four years for these guys to like figure out if it was a good value or not. I mean, was Will Anderson the best pick of the draft, or was I don't know his teammate there? Um, you know, not, good lord, I'm just losing it. But CJ, so we'll, we'll figure it out to get into a little bit. Just off the top here, what, what was your overall like? Hey, like this is this is kind of my thoughts here following the draft, right? Yeah, first impressions. I mean, awesome first round. First of all, I mean that's the that's where the bulk of your of your fun is had is on night one. Um, obviously, quarterbacks went one two. We kind of expected that. Bryce Young first overall to the Panthers. We're not going to go through every pick individually, but um, definitely some things that that stood out. I mean, the Texans giant trade at the top. Uh, they had the number two pick, took their quarterback, and then traded back up from the twelfth pick. Uh, to take Will Anderson at number three. Will Anderson, I think, is the best player in this draft. Um, some people were looking over him because he was, quote-unquote, a safe player. But to me, that's a great pick. A great pick is a safe pick. Nobody thinks Will Anderson is going to be anything but a defensive staple for years to come. Uh, and and Saban absolutely pumps out excellent defensive players especially so i i think the texans did great uh some people some people were saying uh they really wanted bryce young you know and there was talk they would even go defense with the number two pick uh but i think they did the right thing i think bryce young and cj stroud are really really close i think those are those are sort of 1a and 1b type guys as far as the top quarterbacks in this draft Will Anderson is is just an all around great player. If you watch his interviews, he seems to have all the intangibles uh, off the field. No concerns. Three plus year starter at Alabama had to win his playing time. Wasn't a big recruit at first, um, but eventually proved himself and and he deserves to go where he went. So if you're the Texans, I think you ought to be really happy. There's You got your offensive play caller, you got your defensive play caller. And the Texans, I mean, look out, they could win some games. I, I think I think they also had a, a really good draft overall, you know, not just those top two guys, you know, they still went and, and got some others, although that was their, those were their big two moves, obviously. So they ought to be really happy. I think the other big story is the Eagles, the Eagles, which, you know, I don't want to just tread what, what most other people are talking about on the draft, but the Eagles had the Eagles went and got their guys too. I mean, they got their two Georgia guys. I, you know, I'm not a fan of, of Jalen Carter's off the field stuff. That would give me a lot of concern moving forward. Um, but you can't doubt his, his football ability. And, and they went and got him at nine traded up to do so. And then they got, in my opinion, one of the steals of the first round, Nolan Smith at pick 30. Another Georgia guy, uh, kind of small for a defensive end, but can't doubt his playmaking ability. And they already have guys at that position, so he could easily play a true outside linebacker for them and still get after the quarterback. So Howie Roseman is, is absolutely one of the best in the business, and he really showed that. Yeah, I, I got to say, the, the head scratchers here we'll get to in a minute, but... 
but the the teams that did a really good job is the teams who found who always like find value, especially when it it, it it's situation. And the Eagles drafting a Georgia guy who has off the field stuff when they already have a bunch of his guy guys who have been his teammates or a guy you know, and they have a guy they're drafting that like is his like was on the team with him last year. I know he was injured, you know, had a pectoral muscle injury, but like. You know, Nolan Smith is still really good value trading back in the first round, getting that fifth-year option on a guy as well, too. Keep him a little bit cheaper if he does develop into be a superstar. That's always a great deal. You don't have to pay him as early. You can extend this Super Bowl run a little bit more, too. And if a guy is going to do a, have a bad time in the NFL because he's off the field stuff, you would go, okay, well, it's probably situational. It's probably because he didn't have a lot of friends in the locker room. It's, you know... He has a lot of off-the-field antics. He still is, like, back home where he's from. He wasn't able to really remove himself from his previous lifestyle. With the Eagles, though, it's like, okay, hey, listen, like, he's he's getting drafted into a room with a bunch of other guys that he knows extremely well. And those guys have proven to be great guys so far, led him to a Super Bowl this past season, and have proved to be a great defense. So he's, he's now got to get with the program or not. Like, it, this is a, okay, Jalen Carter, maybe best player in the draft, but off the field stuff, now you go, well, now he's got no no room to mess up. No no plausible deniability of, yeah, no, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm just, you know, I know I got a, you know, a DUI or I know I got, you know, whatever off the field stuff may happen. None of we, we none of us, of course, wish that on anyone. But there's no excuses now. It's like, hey, you have like a, like a group of guys around you that are going to, they're going to coach you up to be the best version of yourself. And if you can't get it with the program, then it's a huge bust. But it was going to be no matter what. Then, you know, there's no and, room. And then not only is he with former teammates, he's got veterans all over his position group. He can learn from guys like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. Like these are these are this is one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL already. And adding Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter, I mean, that's I, I agree. Good good to travel in pairs. Like I hope those guys are close. I hope they they can keep each other going. And um, Nolan Smith has dealt with injuries, so so he you know he may see limited playing time his rookie year, but hopefully still make an impact. Um, uh, and going west from Philadelphia, really quick, I want to really shout out the Steelers because uh, I think the the Eagles kind of got the kind of got the the headlines for having the best draft or making the best moves and all of that. The Steelers from, from top to bottom, especially, um, especially in the first few rounds, obviously the, the Steelers picked up nothing but great <laughs> dudes. I mean, Broderick Jones in the first round, they need an offensive tackle bad. Um, and they went and got the best one available. I love that pick. Joey Porter Jr. Fell to the second round and they took him there in the family, his dad played in, in in Pittsburgh for years. So getting Joey Porter Jr., he he fell much further than I thought he would. He was by far the best cornerback available at the time. So getting him in the second round was a huge get for them as well as that's just going to absolutely electrify that fan base. They, they couldn't be more excited for that. Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, defensive tackle, another great pick for them. And the other Georgia guy that I wanted to talk about, they got Darnell Washington in the third round, the tight end, six foot seven, 270 pounds, just an absolute monster. Um, and I think that's a sneaky, really good pick. I think he's going to be a role player. He's going to be a guy that is that you're going to look to on third down quite a bit. Pat Fryermuth is a really good tight end in Pittsburgh. Um, and Darnell Washington has, has been injured, you know, so again, he doesn't have to play right away. But he also wasn't the main target at Georgia. Brock Bowers, they have him there, you know, and he was he was the primary tight end the last uh, couple seasons. So he's kind of used to that role. And, and in a third round pick, he absolutely had the traits to be a second round guy for sure. Um but the Steelers going and getting him and, and taking a swing there, like they, they'll absolutely be able to use him in some way. I just think the the collection of, of talent in those top four picks, I think the Steelers did an incredible job. Um, and the before we before we move on here, I also they didn't even pick till the third round. And I'm going to stay in the AFC North, uh, but a team to look out for uh, having a great draft is the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns did not have a lot of picks, and again, not till the third round, but they they were not afraid to just pick up guys who fell. 
They got Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver from Tennessee, great wide receiver, 6'3", 215, big guy. He's not a Jalen Hyatt. You know, he doesn't have Jalen Hyatt speed, um, but really good size and route running. I, I thought that was a great pick. And a Baylor guy, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Big 12's performance tonight, uh, but a Baylor guy, defensive tackle, Siaki Ika, who fell to them, They, I, I think that the Browns were just in the mode of, Hey, we don't have high draft picks. We're not going to give up a bunch of a bunch of stuff to uh, move back into the first round or back into the second round. And they just said, we're going to take the best players that fall to us. We're going to take the best players available. And I think that's what they did. I thought Dewan Jones uh, in the fourth round, the offensive tackle, a lot of people had him as a second rounder. Like these are guys that will absolutely play and that uh, the, the Cleveland Browns are, are not going to have to pay much. Um, and got tremendous value on. So um, I, I think I think the Browns sneaky sneaky were very efficient drafters. Let's say I, I I'm surprised on the Browns, but I'll, I'll get back to there in just a second. I want to ask about the Steelers though. So I everyone knows if you listen to the podcast, I listen to a ton of the Ringers content, Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo, a bunch of their stuff. So I I read through today, kind of prepping for the podcast here, their draft grades. One of the things they had is. Steelers A plus. So they're right there with you on that one. We'll get to within the Browns here in a second. But why does a guy like Darnell Washington, who's six seven, beast guy, I when I watch the guy do anything on a football, it like this this guy is literally, you know, basically he's like the the seven foot center playing high school basketball against a bunch of, you know, other high schoolers, right? Like they just don't it doesn't come around all that often. You just look you look physically dominant and just crazy how why is he why is he not like a first rounder why is he not one of the best tight ends is that because utilization or you know and i know you mentioned that brock bowers kind of utilization in georgia offense there is that injuries you mentioned that as well too just what am i what am i missing here with that uh yeah there, there's definitely an injury factor i i had to look, i have to look it up right now because i don't remember what the exact injury was but um he 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 definitely has medical concerns um he, he had a foot injury. He actually had two foot injuries in 2022 that kept him off the field. Um, and I mean, he's, he's not your, he's not your typical tight end and like tight ends are moving away from that direction. I think, you know, Dalton Kincaid was the first tight end taken this year and he's much more kind of in that, in that modern vein of the hybrid wide receiver, you know, smaller frame guys that aren't necessarily asked to block. Um, but I, I kind of think, Darnell Washington is going to be that guy. And, and I mean, they, they risked very little to get him, you know, getting him in the third round. So I think it was a good pick. I, I, I do think, you know, he was slated to go higher for sure. Definitely second round. Um, but I, I, it was mostly injury. I would think, you know, that, that he dropped and it was a really, really strong tight end class in general, you know, the top five, six tight ends in this class will absolutely uh, get playing time and, I think he, he was just lower on some guys' boards than others, and and teams probably felt like it was pretty top-heavy with the top guys and Kincaid and Michael Mayer. Um, so I think, you know, sometimes guys fall, and I think his was mostly injury, but maybe teams have a tough time seeing how to utilize him because he is such an unusual unusual frame. And, you know, you see cra there's crazy highlights of him at Georgia blocking downfield. You know, he can, he'll pick up a head of steam and absolutely flatten a defensive back, you know, if he gets in his way. And same thing with run after the catch. Um, you know, Fryer Muth is, is absolutely your top guy, and, and he's a solid tight end. I think he could even – Fryer Muth could maybe be a top, you know, five or six tight end in the league if, if he – is productive, um, you know, in the next couple of years, but uh, yeah, I like, I like Darnell Washington a lot. I think, I think an A plus grade for the Steelers is makes a lot of sense. Do you, do you remember what the ringer gave uh, the Browns? Yeah, that's what I was going to um, look up here is because there, there were three A pluses. They, it was the Steelers. So you got one there. Um, it was the Colts, which I want to talk about here, of course, in a minute. And then the third one here was um, the Eagles. So we already touched on the Eagles. We already touched on the Steelers. I want to get to the Colts here. But I also want to get, of course, to those Cleveland Browns that, you know, just um, they had a C-plus grade from the Ringers uh, draft. And it's basically just because, you know, you know, I mean, right off the bat, the first thing they say is because they didn't have, you know, 
They didn't have a first-round pick because of the Sean Watson trade and were relatively quiet, relatively quiet over the first two days of the draft. Um, and then it, it's basically like I, – I, I don't know. If you if you have only a couple picks in the draft, a grade of C-plus, like, okay, it must have been because they have higher grades on guys that you drafted that were – you know, than other guys that you drafted, right, that were still on the board at your spot. It wasn't necessarily your moves. Because the Browns, they only had – they had round three, four – and uh, round three, four, five, and six picks. They didn't have a round seven, which whatever, but they didn't have a round one and two. So there's not the high-end talent. And the next question I have for you is, what did you think of the talent pool in this draft? But the high-end talent they had just wasn't all that great. I do think, again, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a weird move for a team that needs to fill some gaps. Now, granted, they got him in the fifth round. I'm not going to criticize him too much for getting a quarterback in the fifth round to the Chargers drafted a quarterback, right? Like guys, teams, yeah. you know, the, what, how many the years were to the Patriots? Yeah, how many years were to the Patriots draft a quarterback when they had, you know, the GOAT Tom Brady on their roster for so many years, right? Like you're drafting quarterbacks just kind of to draft a quarterback at some point, you know, like it's like, man, we had like, maybe the Browns had it went, we really thought this guy would go in the second or third round, but now he's here in the fifth and we can get this quarterback in case Watson goes down with an injury again. Hey, you know what? Let's, let's, Let's let's see what we got, you know, or, hey, you know what? Get Dorian Thompson Robinson. Maybe he makes camp. Maybe he looks like the second best. And then who knows? Maybe another team needs him and we can all of a sudden wager where we can get a first rounder next year. There's just so many possibilities here with this. Um, with that being said, though, I do want to ask you about this talent pool. I, I was watching the draft, listening to a lot of coverage, and a bunch of it was, yeah, there's a lot of guys who are good, but, oh, can't believe this guy got picked. I had him graded 40, and he's great getting picked 12. Or other way around of, can't believe this guy is slipping so far. Like, you know, I mean, Darnell Washington's one of those guys, right? Will Levis falling out of the first round. ESPN has had a 1% chance. No idea how they come with these stats. Yeah, 1% who knows? chance he'll fall out of the first round. It's like, well, I, I would have said there's at least a 25% chance because the over-under was 4.5 on how many quarterbacks are going to select in the first round. So, you know, I mean, he would have been the fourth, right? You would think. So, you know, to hear five is kind of crazy. But with that being said, what did you think of the talent pool this draft? Just because so many guys were all over the board and the, it seemed like there wasn't a real consensus on the top 20 picks of the draft. You know, maybe top three, but that was it. Yeah, I, I don't think it was that bad. I mean, it, it was it, it was definitely – it wasn't flashy. You know, it, was, it wasn't the draft that gave you – you know, pro bowlers everywhere. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to mix up multiple years here and I don't have it right in front of me, but uh, you know, the year where you had Micah Parsons up at the top and, you know, he was many player, many people had him the best player in the draft and he fell to the Cowboys. But really when you look ahead of him, it's like, those are all fantastic picks ahead of him. Sauce Gardner, I think was in that class. Like you didn't have kind of these home run type guys necessarily. I think Will Anderson is that guy. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it was definitely top heavy within the position groups. Like you kind of had your top, you had your clear top corners in Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez. You had your clear top two tackles in, uh, in, in Skaronsky and Paris Johnson, although Skaronsky went behind uh, Darnell Wright, which was a little surprising, but um, you know, you, you had your, your top two quarterbacks in, in Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, you had your top running back in Bijan Robinson, you know, it's, it's like, you kind of knew who the big dogs were. Um, and they, they, for the most part went where expected. I think, you know, Will Levis falling should not have been as big a story as it was. I thought Will, uh, Will Levis was the fourth best quarterback in this draft. And there was a pretty decent gap between three and four. I, I like Will Levis at the end of the day, he just turned the ball over too much. And some of it, he had a lot of really mystifying decisions with the ball in his hands. And, and that would make me nervous if I was an NFL GM for sure. Um, so, so I don't, I don't really Now, Was he a first round quarterback? Yeah, probably. Like he probably should have gone in the first round. I think it would have made more sense for somebody like the commanders to go get him or somebody that, that may not think they need a starter, but, but they probably will next year, you know, somebody who can sit behind, um, and just, or, you know, take, take some time and get ready. But, 
you know, he ended up in a good situation, kind of that exact situation in, in Tennessee. So he, Ryan Tannehill still has one more year. I think they're paying him like $30 million or something. So they're, they're trying to get Tannehill out of there as soon as possible, but will level still play. I think he's a bust, you know, compared to these other guys. Um, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a, a, a perennial, you know, top 10 quarterback or anything. Um, but I think I think the quality was fine. I think I think there's there's plenty of players out there to go get. That's why I think the Browns were kind of impressive because I think they they took what they got. You know, they 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 got to they didn't pick till the third round. And they said, hey, these guys should have gone earlier. We, we think they're better than this. They may not fill specific needs, but let's let's add quality to our roster. And I think they just got great value in that way. There were a few positions that were definitely standouts. There, there were definitely four or five tight ends that that were that were really standout. This was a great year for tight ends. Really good year for the defensive line in general. Both both D tackles. In fact, more D tackles that were worthy of a first round pick than than most other years. Um, we'll we'll get into that a little bit with the Cowboys. Uh, but but those those would be the standouts for me. But I, I think it was a pretty good pretty good class. There's no such thing as a bad draft. There's always going to be great college guys coming out, and um, you can't be too picky year over year. I think. Yeah. the The other questions I have, like regarding the draft, are, are not necessarily talent related. Maybe they are, but they're much more a fit related. Um, and, and Will Levis, I think, goes into that. Like Will Levis, if he had gotten drafted in the second round in the first five picks by the Browns, the Steelers, I mean, any of these, you know, Chargers, you're wearing the shirt here, you know, Cowboys, whatever, right? Like, then it'd be like, what's going on? You know, like Eagles. It's like, okay, why do they need Will Levis? They just, you know, they just re-upped or, you know, basically signed Jalen Hurts to a massive deal. But one of the guys that got drafted to a team that I'm very – very curious about. Want to get your thoughts on because he's a University of Texas guy. He's a great pick. I think he's a great running back, but you've seen more B. John Robinson film and tape and all that type of stuff than most other people because of the Texas connection. I mean, it's, it's excuse me for being dumb here, but like, is it really a good? I mean, no Arthur Smith likes to run the ball with the Falcons. I know the Falcons have like a good running game, but they were good without him. Is that is that really an area of need? And and me good's a interesting word, right? Like I if I was them, I would have prioritized a lot of other things, you know, on the team versus running back is my point. Yeah, I mean, I I absolutely think that eight number eight is is probably too high to draft a running back. Like I, I definitely see the the logic there. Um now he he was it is easy because he was absolutely the best running back in this draft. Um People, I mean, a lot of people had him. I, I, I kind of thought he was a top four or five player in the draft. Um, I think he is that good. You know, he he's a he's a the comparisons to LT need to start happening more because he he has a very similar running style to LT, and he just he doesn't go down. He broke he broke more tackles than anybody else in college football by like a hundred like his last year. Like he's he's a crazy crazy runner, so fun to watch. All that all that is true. That being said, yeah, I, I think the Falcons have a lot of needs, you know, and, and they could have easily gone elsewhere, but it it probably comes down to he was the top player on their board. They said this guy is a game changer. He does like to run the ball. Their other option is Tyler Algiers. And I mean, they're, they're other technically they have Cordero Patterson who, who is technically listed as a running back, but he's really more like a slot receiver. So he was used in the running game. Um, but he's, he's definitely going to get his like he, Tyler Algiers is going to be shown the door, not probably not traded, but he's going to be reduced to a rollback. Like Bijan is going to get the, the bulk of this team's uh, running game. Yeah, I, do I think it, it was necessarily the smartest move? Maybe not. Um, I definitely think he's a good enough overall player to get at eight. But also, I mean, I'm pretty sure Algiers was a thousand yard rusher. Like he he works with that system, and um, so yeah. I mean, I, I I don't I can't fault him for the pick. Uh, I thought the Lions pick of Jameer Gibbs at number twelve was even more head scratching. Because that that was a pretty big reach on a guy who definitely would have been there, considering they had the 18th pick. Also, you know, you have to think Jameer Gibbs would probably still have been there at 18. They still could have gotten him, and then they released 
uh, or they traded actually, they traded DeAndre Swift. Yeah. They traded DeAndre Swift. So that'll, that'll free up the running back room a little bit for Gibbs, but they still have David Montgomery, the former bear. So yeah, the, the lions made me scratch my head quite a bit more. Um, especially since their, their other pick Jack Campbell, they, they also probably could have gotten in the second round. So um, the lions definitely got plenty of talent just because they, they got so many picks in those first few rounds. Um, so the lions definitely added a ton of talent to their roster, um, but I'm not sure the way they, they went about it made much sense. Some other teams like the Eagles or the Texans or the Cardinals, they, they, they kind of put on a clinic about how to move in this draft. And I'm not sure the lions did the lions, the lions may have, uh, they made me question, question their front office just a little bit, although you can't really argue with, you know, they, they got good players for sure. But if you look at kind of what they did and where they went, I didn't love it. Yeah. The, the Jameer Gibbs pick is weird because you just, you just signed David Montgomery. Like you just paid him. You know, and the, and then you're trading away a running back the next day because you're almost like, ah, oh, crap, we're getting all this flack of not having three running backs when maybe that was their move. Who knows? I mean, they have Jared Goff at quarterback. What of great numbers last year, but when has that really been truly consistent with Jared Goff? You know, year over year, there's a reason why he was traded for Matt Stafford. Yeah, I mean, when you trade a guy away, you have in your room, you usually do it for a reason, um, as the Rams did. But this segues over a little bit to the Rams. Rams drafting Stetson Bennett. I mean, you're seeing a lot of Georgia guys you know, come off the board here. Um, he is not the first. It, 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 it's bizarre to me that he went round four, right? I mean, um, you, you watch Stetson Bennett play football, and you're like, listen, this guy, he, he's accurate when he has a five-star front the offensive line, five stars everywhere around the board. I'm not saying you and I can just be sets of Bennett out there. Like the guy has put in time, effort, and work like no other. But he's also 25. Like he doesn't have like much like, you know, when we were about 25, I'm sure we were like, oh, we've got the whole lives ahead of us and we do still. But point being, your NFL career, 35 is kind of like the, okay, we're, we're pushing it. You know, we're pushing the years here. If you're 21 and you're sets of Bennett, it's like, all right, like maybe we can level up some, get some size or whatever. But 25, you're, going like, okay, so how much older are you than Trevor Lawrence, who's been in the league for two years? How much older are you than all these other quarterbacks who have already done all this stuff, and you have basically 10 years left of football, more or less? I mean, hey, Brady played till what, 46? So, you know, then again, that's the anomaly. What are your thoughts on guys who get drafted at this age, really? Because the Sets of Bennett one, I like to hear thoughts on, but that's not really the question here at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, Stetson Bennett... Uh, he- He's never going to be an NFL quarterback. I, I I also was mystified that he got drafted whatsoever, d- let alone drafted in the fourth round. Yeah, anyone could have played quarterback for that Georgia team. Credit to him. You know, he he was a veteran. You know, he he played smart football for the most part. Um, but I also I, I think he got exactly as much credit as he deserved for winning back-to-back championships, which is not really that much. I I think the rest of the coaching staff of that team is incredible. Their recruiting was incredible. Their defense was incredible. All their playmakers, incredible, not so much him. So I, and the Rams, I think it speaks more to the Rams maybe than it speaks to Stetson Bennett, the Rams, they don't build through the draft. They never have, they weren't going to start building through the draft this year, you know? So they, I I think they take flies on guys, you know, they probably had somebody in the room, maybe even their GM um, who, who was like Stetson Bennett is worth having in our locker room. He's worth having in our quarterback room. Um, that's probably what happened. And I agree. I think he was there in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Like, I, I don't know who was taking Stetson Bennett. It was crazy though. I think this was the most quarterbacks taken in a draft in history. Um, and a lot of people say, and that's, that's kind of the Brock Purdy effect, you know, Brock Purdy is seventh rounder, uh, you know, now a starter for the 49ers in an emergency last year, but now looks like he will probably start you know, for the 49ers and other teams are really jealous of that. And it kind of a seventh round pick, a fifth round pick, a sixth round pick. It costs you nothing as a team, essentially. You know, it's just, it's a roster spot. You you get guys with upside, you get guys who can, you know, who you think might, might elevate themselves. And I guess they, they thought Bennett was that guy. If you're talking about age as a quarterback issue, I think Hendon Hooker would be, you know, a, a better, a better comparison there or a comparison because Stetson Bennett I mean he's Bryce Young's size with none of his 
uh, none of his NFL traits, you know? So, so that's uh, his size is, is not going to be a make or break for him. It's just what it is. But Hendon hooker is, is also, I believe 25. Uh, and he went, he went in the third round. He went to the lions again, we're, we're back on the lions, but um, Hendon hooker is, is much more of a legitimate quarterback than, than Stetson Bennett and Hendon hooker. I mean, Jared Goff, Jared Goff played really, really good quarterback last year, and they are paying him a lot. You know, I think he, he's he's their highest paid player. Um, but but Hendon Hooker is somebody who could who could play football in the league. I, I I could see Hendon Hooker being kind of a Teddy Bridgewater guy, who maybe may not be a franchise quarterback, but I think he'll definitely start some NFL games. And um, you know, if Jared Goff goes down with injury, Hendon Hooker is a guy that you could probably plug and play. Like he's he's going to work hard in practice. He's got a lot of experience, um, and he does have you know, and maybe not an NFL sort of passing tree arm, you know, and and the the elite reads and everything. But uh, Hooker Hooker's a guy that that can make it in the league. I mean, we we think back. Speaking of old quarterbacks, we can we can talk about your Oklahoma State Cowboys with Brandon Whedon. Uh, you know, I guess close to ten years ago now. But uh, Brandon Whedon comes to mind as as a guy who you draft as an old, you know, an, a relatively old quarterback, and and that's kind of the biggest question mark about him. You know, and and Hendon Hooker had some injuries, but I, I see a comparison there too. Yeah, I was going to say real quick here, I asked a Browns fan um, that I now work with a little bit here, and I was like, which which was the wor- like the biggest bust? You know, which was the worst quarterback drafted or, like, worst, like, quarterback, like, left, you know, kind of taste in your mouth type of, type of feel? And I was like, in my head, I'm like, okay, is it Johnny Menzel or Brandon Whedon? In my head, before I ask him, I'm like, it's got to be Menzel. Like, right, like, Menzel, like, come on. Yeah. She immediately goes, no, Whedon, because he got stuck under the American flag. It was just so goofy, you know, running out. And I was like, what? And I had to Google this whole thing. I was like, what happened? So anyways, but yeah, Whedon was like 30 when he got drafted or really close to it. And he got drafted in the first round. And n- no one's really talking about this today. Of course, he played for the Browns. So he was one of their, you know, list of 7,000 quarterbacks they've had and tried and hasn't worked out with. Baker Mayfield's also one of those guys. But I'm, sh- you know, making fun of you every chance I get here. But still, um, I also want to ask you now, because we're staying on the quarterbacks, I want to ask you, Anthony Richardson goes four to the Colts. I have a lot of thoughts. Will Levis going second round to the Titans. I think both those are great fits because they can come in now. They could both compete from the job. They can both be on an NFL roster here, or they could not start week one through 12 and still have time to develop. But pick number four overall for the Colts, like they, they, they're, they're kind of one of these teams that we talk about, like the Falcons where I'm like, really the fourth pick, you, you guys got a lot more stuff to worry about than just, you know, than just quarterback, you know, um, what are your thoughts on those guys and their respective teams? And which one are you like, Hey, you know what? Like, I think Richardson, everyone's heard it. 13 games played in college hasn't looked consistently great, but has some times here and there where he looks incredible and he has the best NFL draft, you know, combine report ever put to man. You know, I mean, type of just crazy numbers, 4440, 250 pounds almost. It had rod jumps crazy, et cetera, et cetera. But Will Levis is also eating bananas with a skin on it and also kind of being a goofball out there. With mayonnaise, stuff. mayonnaise in his yeah. coffee or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's also doing some weird stuff too. So, so of those two guys here, what are your real thoughts here? Because Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, like I think it's just going to be TBD, and both of them looked good. But what are your, what are your thoughts on the the other two quarterbacks who got drafted here, real high? Yeah, I I probably four seemed high for me on Richardson, um, but I understand like there there's almost two draft philosophies. Like if you need a quarterback, you draft differently than if you don't need a quarterback. And the Colts absolutely need a quarterback for the future. I mean, if if Richardson doesn't start, which I mean. It's if he had been drafted by somebody like the Seahawks uh, or the Raiders or or someone like that or the Titans, you know, someone who has a starter now that he could sit behind, that would have been an easy, perfect landing spot for Anthony Richardson. He may have to start sooner than that for the Colts, which wouldn't be my first choice. They do have Gardner Minshew, um, who 
played pretty well, uh, at times very well for the Jaguars. So he's on a one-year deal. They also have Nick Foles on a one-year deal, but frankly, I don't, I don't even know if he can play quarterback at this point. Like he, he's, uh, you know, he, he's a big name, but I don't know if uh, you probably don't want Nick Foles out on the field. So um, Richardson, I mean, he will, he will definitely play this season. He is absolutely a boomer bust. Like you just don't have a lot of tape on him. You hope for the best, you know, you see the traits, it's, it just comes down to your philosophy. And, um, you know, the Colts definitely decided we're taking a quarterback. We need a quarterback. We're getting one in the draft. Um, and and they took the best guy that was there at quarterback. So I, I can't really fault him for that. Like, he's a big swing for sure. He's a big swing. I don't think he was a top 10 player in this draft. You know, the 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 lack of reps is definitely a concern. Um, but he will he, he will excite the fan base for sure. He's he's going to be big for that team. And I think it'll sort of be not again. We, we try not to shout out OU on this show. But when when Baker Mayfield made his first start, you know, on Monday night football in like week four or five or something against the Jets, um, or maybe he didn't even start the game. Maybe he may maybe he came in. But anyway, his 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 sort of his coming out party with the Browns. Um, Whenever that happens for Anthony Richardson, it's going to be must-watch TV. It's going to be really exciting. Um, so that's that's really good for a franchise. Will Levis, I I could take or leave whether or not he should be a starting quarterback. I mean, he going in the second round is a, is a really – I mean, it looks like a really good move in hindsight for the Titans because he could have easily – they could have easily taken him with the 11th pick. They went with the they went with the bigger need. They got Skaronsky, who's a, a great offensive tackle. He could he could play guard. We'll see. Um, but uh, the Titans, the fact that they 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 wanted a quarterback and they were able to get one of the top guys in the second round, even if I don't believe in him personally, I think that's a good move. I think Will Levis. I mean, he did everything he could to create as much smoke as possible before the draft. It definitely worked like a charm. You know, he he is he was not an Aaron Rodgers type player where he he you know, he started dropping and dropping and more teams passed and passed. It really just came to it. Like all the teams that needed quarterbacks were up at the top. And once they didn't take one, you know, it was either trade up to get Will Levis, but nobody felt like they needed to do that because he kept falling. And sure enough, he fell all the way to the second round. So I think teams knew what they were doing in that regard. Like I don't, I don't buy all the smoke, you know, him, him posting all the, all the workout videos and the, you know, the guns out pictures and everything like just trying to keep his name in the news. And it absolutely worked. You know, a lot of people really like him for that. Not really my favorite thing for my quarterback. So um, we'll see, you know, I mean, he, he'll, he'll, he did okay in college. You know, he's got a big arm obviously. So, um, but I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan personally. I don't think he's going to do a whole lot. Um, I think the Titans, you know, Malik Willis, you don't, you don't love what you saw from him and Tannehill is, is a money pit at this point, but, uh, so we'll see what they do. I mean, they're, they're getting a new stadium, you know, it's exciting for the franchise. I think they would have been really happy if they could have gotten Richardson sort of more of a, a big swing, uh, type guy that, you know, swing for the fences, just see what happens. Uh, Will Levis is a little bit boring to me as that type of pick. I, I totally agree there. I think Richardson's the flash guy and, and Will Levis is, uh, the, the guy who could be a Tannehill type of guy, you know, at his peak, you know, I mean, could be a Tannehill type of, but, but then again, that, that's why I'm always asking. Cause uh, I like to like to hear my points reciprocated, you know, <laughs> uh, I like to hear people agree with me. Of course, the other couple questions, of course, chargers, you're wearing chargers shirt. They drafted a ton of TCU guys. In fact, they drafted two. Yeah, of course. Um, they drafted two TCU wide receivers. What's uh, what's going on out there at SoFi Stadium, Chargers uh, Chargers land? I mean, I know the Rams play there too. No, it, yeah, it can be Chargers land. Um, I I like their picks. I mean, I, I think they um, they they drafted for for needs. I mean, the Mike Williams is signed, Keenan Allen is signed, but the next couple of years they're going to be paying those guys a ridiculous amount of money, um, and they're not going to last forever. I mean, I, I love their first pick in Quentin Johnston from TCU. I mean, he was he was great. Um, they were super happy to get him at 21 um, to kind of keep keep on that uh, that run of wide receivers that ended up happening. Um, but I, I, you know, they did they did fine. I, I, I like their draft. I do just just looking at the list of guys. I don't think they got like tremendous value um, necessarily, but. I do think they drafted well. Um, their their guys are just going to get really expensive. You know, the Chargers just need they need good young players. You know, they're about to tie up a huge amount of money with uh, Justin Herbert in the next year or two. Um, and like I said, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are are 
are very highly paid players along with Joey Bosa. So they just need young, cheap talent. They did get two, two linebackers. Um, and, and by the way, not only did they get the two TCU receivers, they also got their quarterback, Max Duggan in the last round. So they're, they're just taking that whole TCU, uh, you know, playoff team. Uh, but I really like, I really like the two. Uh, linebackers one one thing on that is, ahead, yeah. is that they, they uh, well, yeah, one thing on that is that, so, you know, every single team tweets out and Instagrams out, like, you know, videos of all these great plays that their offense is making whenever they draft a wide receiver, you know, and it's like, oh, Quentin Johnson, can't believe we drafted him, you know, and it's like great and all type of stuff, especially since the draft. And then it's like, okay, you know what? We got Darius Davis, too. It's like, you know, great all type of stuff. Now they can go back and just reuse that exact same clip because it's the quarterback who's throwing them the ball. But anyways, go ahead here. So true. So true. Yeah. Efficient for, for the social media team, for sure. <laughs> but they got, I mean, they, they, they definitely got a steal in Dion Henley out of Washington state. Um, and second round guy. And uh, give me, give me a second on the name here. Tuli Tuipulotu from, from USC. He's a guy that stood out to me in the combine. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't watch him play much, but I saw him doing drills in the combine for some reason. I remember I sent it to my, uh, some of my group chat with some of my draft buddies, but they, uh, I was like, Hey, look out for this guy. And so it's cool that the chargers got him. I think he's, um, he just looks like a football player. He plays really well, tackles well. So, um, I, I, I think the chargers had a good draft. All right. You know what? I mean. Always good to hear, you know, both of us uh, got some Chargers fandom in us for sure. That was some Chargers apparel still in the closet. Um, with being said here too, Ravens finally signed Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I know this is not, this is, this is draft news only because it happened on draft day. What did you make of the timing of Lamar getting signed to a, a huge contract a couple hours before the draft where, this will be, I mean, this, this will be probably like a first take segment on Monday because, like, there was so much about Lamar. He's an MVP guy, he's his own agent, et cetera, et cetera. Like, this won't, like, this won't go under the rug or anything in the type of news cycle. It will still definitely get talked about. But what'd you make of the timing? Because it just, just seemed odd to me. Yeah, I think, I think it was an effort to just know where they're at going into the draft. And I, I don't know anything that was happening behind the scenes there. I don't know if this deal was, I don't know if this proposal was out there for days or weeks or anything, and it just needed to get finalized. I don't know how any of that works, especially when he doesn't have an agent. Um, but I think, I mean, it's the right move. I mean, you, you really can't let a guy like a guy like that walk um, and start from scratch. Essentially, you'd really hate to do that. And I think he, he's earned the money. I, I don't think I, I don't love all the talk about them as Super Bowl contenders, you know, just because this happened because their team didn't change. They just they just made sure he, he was going to be around for a while. And now they don't have as much money for other guys. So I like him as a quarterback. Um, he definitely he has the highest ceiling and it's it's too late in his career to, to talk about him, you know, having a ceiling and a floor, really like we kind of know know what he is. But on a week to week basis. You know, his his ceiling is about as high as anybody in the in the league, except maybe Mahomes. I mean, he can he can absolutely be that clutch guy. He can he could run for a game winning touchdown. He could throw for it. I mean, he you never know when he has the ball. And um, I think that's worth paying for. I, you can't you know, they, they got some really good years out of him on a on a picking him with the last pick in the first round. So they bought themselves a lot of time to get this done. And they used it. They used all of that time. And this is why they they. Uh, this is why they traded up into the first round to get him five years ago. So they, they, they had time to get a deal done and it came right down to the wire, but they got it done. So um, do I see them as the, you know, a contender in the AFC? Sure. But they are in a really tough division. Like you're playing the Bengals twice a year, which are now at this point, just a, we got to accept as a perennial playoff team super bowl contender in the in the cincinnati bengals and the pits the pittsburgh steelers are never bad you know the, the browns may still be bad we'll see you know they they paid all their money to one guy and we'll see if it pays off not so far but i think the, the ravens will compete for sure you know the, the the guys they draft they got zay flowers and obviously obj uh, a couple weeks before that so they're gonna have the offense they got veterans on the offensive line too there's no reason to think they're not going to score a lot of points um, but I, I like it. I mean, Lamar belongs in Baltimore. I think, I think that was, that was the case. I think if he went somewhere else, he'd be starting from scratch. I think it's where he wanted to be. He just wanted to get paid. So 
good for him. Yeah, I mean, definitely good for him. I just thought, I thought, I think the timing's really interesting. But to your point, they know where they're at. They know they didn't need to draft a quarterback and look and you know look look kind of behind the scenes here. Not that they probably would have that close to the draft or anything, but they they know where they're at. Uh, I think it's a really good way to put it too. Also, want to ask you about the Big Twelve in general. You know, I know, I know this is the last year your team's playing the Big Twelve, but still they're in the Big Twelve right now. Want to ask of the Big Twelve talent that's getting drafted. A lot of guys. Texas Tech had a first rounder, right? Like that's kind of crazy. TCU has a ton of guys. They played the national championship game. Texas has the eighth overall pick. What's your um, what's your thought process on like how guys in the Big Twelve are getting evaluated in the draft? Is this is this kind of like, hey, NFL teams are still seeing a ton of talent in the Big Twelve, or maybe not, or, or is there kind of even a, really a stance here on it? Because hey, I'm going to be a Big Twelve fan because I'm an Oklahoma State fan for, for the foreseeable future. So I'm, I'm going to be really looking forward to at least that part of it here uh, going forward. And Oklahoma State had two guys get drafted. It's, it's more than zero, but still not not great. And we we'll always want to get more guys, see more guys who drafted year over year. So what's your thought process here? Uh, I mean, the Big Twelve it's it's behind the others, I think, unfortunately. Um, but I think it's 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 super positional. You know, I, I think wide receivers coming from the Big Twelve, like especially the like these OU and TCU guys, like the these are these are great players. I mean, you got your CD lambs and Hollywood Browns and like, these are, these are high draft picks at wide receiver. I do think like to uh, your, your question really kind of came into play at the top of this year's draft, actually in the pass rushers, because Tyree Wilson w- w- went to the, went to the Raiders at number seven. That was the highest big 12 pick. And um, that's a huge, that's a huge deal, I think. But I also, I- I'm glad he didn't go higher. Uh, there was talk of, of the Texans uh, going with him at two, um, and turns out they got Will Levis at three at the same position or not Will Levis, but Will Anderson, excuse me. Um, but there was, there was a lot of hesitation about Tyree Wilson being from the big 12. Like he looks great on tape, but he's, he's pass rushing against, you know, the Kansas offensive line or, you know, the, the Kansas state offensive line, the, the Baylor you're offensive gonna line. You're going to say Oklahoma state. I feel okay, like you're going to say Oklahoma state there, but yeah, it's all right. It's I all wasn't going to say either of us. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> but you know, the, that is a concern, you know, because those aren't, those aren't NFL guys. It, it's the difference between, uh, you know, drafting Paris, Paris Johnson at offensive tackle when he's going against the likes of like Aiden Hutchinson, you know, Ohio state, pass rushers these are there's definitely a positional difference when it comes to to the conference you're in and Tyree Wilson's a big deal though because he still went seven overall uh at a defensive position that the big 12 does not exactly pump out and Tyree Wilson was also a three-star recruit from a from a small town school like that that's a that's a huge testament to developing guys for for the next level so the big 12 can absolutely do that and I mean the 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 teams that they're adding, you know, UCF has guys drafted. Houston has guys drafted. Cincinnati has great players drafted. I mean, Sauce Gardner coming out of, of Cincinnati was a big deal. So I do think the, those, are, those are schools that even though they're not, uh, you know, they're not always knocking on the door of a college championship, they still develop guys for the next level. So I, I don't think the Big 12 can be written off. It's no SEC. Nobody thinks it is. Um but I think I think if you I think NFL teams are smart and I think they know the strengths of these guys. And they I, I think they look at the wide receivers, they look at the D backs. There's plenty of athletes. There's plenty of athletes in the big in the Big Twelve. Um, but they don't have as many of these NFL body type guys, you know, with the with the SEC pass rushers um or or Big Ten offensive linemen. That's not the Big Twelve strong suit. All right. Well, the thing that stood out for me from the draft more than anything else is you mentioned earlier, and I don't want to skip it. Basically, it's the amount of quarterbacks. Fourteen quarterbacks get drafted this year. It does set a record. It's a huge number. Why? Why do you think? I mean, is that really the rock product? I mean, is is there is there anything more to like guys going? You know what? Like, why not? Like, hey, if we need our third string quarterback, right? If the Chargers are like, you know what, like. Okay, Chase Daniel comes in, eh, Easton Stick, eh. All right, Max Duggan, you know, the Turks are, gonna, are not going to carry four quarterbacks. I mean, almost no, te- yeah. no team does. But is it, a, is it a thing where, hey, you know what? 
you just never know at this point. You always want to be able to have that a guy who can help out because at the end of the day, the Niners run their fourth quarterback this year in the playoffs. But is, is there anything more to it than that, really? Yeah, I think the other thing is experience. I mean, game experience with these guys is is big time. I was, you know, some of these some of these late round quarterbacks that were taken. We we already touched on Stetson Bennett. You know, we already touched on on Max Duggan, DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I mean, that's that's another guy. And and Clayton Tune out of Houston got drafted. Um, these are guys with at least two years of starting experience, um, sometimes three. You know, and these are these are guys that you're drafting for their ability to plug and play and make football plays. I mean, it's 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 not guys that have elite arms or guys that make, you know, down to their fourth read on every passing play. But these are guys that generally understand the game of football and have have a game awareness uh, and Brock Purdy. You know, you can call it the Brock Purdy effect if you want, but. That's not my term, you know, <laughs> but but uh, but Brock Purdy's just had the most success at any of those type guys. So they're going to try to replicate that. But Brock Purdy was the same way. I mean, Brock Purdy started a million and a half games at Iowa State. Um, so, you know, that I think teams are just starting to value that more. And then he shows up to the to the 49ers and for the most part makes mistake free football. You know, he doesn't make incredible throws. You know, he, he's not going to win you the game by himself. Um, but with the exception of that playoff game. You know, he, he was he was serviceable as a quarterback. And, um, you know, unless he's up against a really elite defense, you know, he can still kind of control the flow of the game. And I think a lot of guys are hoping hoping these guys will at least bring some stability, you know, because the last thing you want with a backup situation, the guy that comes to mind is Jordan Love, who, you know, former backup now looking like the starter. Jordan Love, when he gets put in a game, it's like, OK, this guy played one season at Utah State and now he looks completely lost on a football field after sitting on the bench for two, two years or three years or whatever. So there's something to be said about a rookie quarterback that just came off of multiple years of high level college football. Even if on paper, he doesn't have all the, you know, all the measurables that you want. He can, he can do a job. Gotcha. All right. Well, also got to ask you the Dallas Cowboys question of the room. You know, I know it's a team that you and I both grew up rooting for more or less, right. You know, younger years for sure. What do you think of their draft? I mean, is, is there a lot to go off of here? They got Deuce Vaughn. They got the heartfelt story because his dad is part of the team. So his dad gets to call him and tell him, hey, you want to come to work with me on Monday? Like, it's, it's ah. if you're not tearing up from that one, then you have no heart whatsoever to speak of, right? But, but besides that one, what are your thoughts on, like, the Cowboys draft? You want to cater to the audience a little bit here if listen to the podcast, too. Yeah, I mean, I – uh, their first round pick was a little bit of a head scratcher for me. I, I get wanting to get an offensive tackle. They, they went or a defensive tackle. They went and got Mozzie Smith out of Michigan who I think, you know, they, they just, they like the traits there. I mean, he's a giant guy, you know, 325 pounds. And uh, I mean, I, I, I like the player. I, I thought it was a reach to get him. Um, and I think I really like uh, the, the Clemson defensive tackle who was still on the board, Brian Brzee. Um, I, and I love his story, you know, and he, he was the number one recruit out of high school. You know, this guy's played a ton of football also had family tragedy. You know, there, there was a lot, there was a lot going on with Brian Brzee and I, I kind of, he, he would have been a cool guy to have on the team, um, at that position. But the guy I'm excited about is DeMarvion Overshone from, from Texas. Obviously, you know, I'm going to be biased in that regard. Um, but but he's he's a guy who he was actually he's actually the last guy from the the class that I was there um, as a recruiting intern for. So he was in the same class as B.J. Foster and um, and uh, Caden Stearns, who's now in the NFL. So they were sort of the the trio of safeties in that class. And he ended up moving to linebacker agent zero, we call him. So really excited that he's a cowboy, absolute motor to the football, you know, plays with with just a ton of energy and um you know he, he's he's going to learn how to be an NFL an NFL D back and and linebacker hybrid in, in some way. So um, and I agree on Deuce Vaughn. I mean, he does not have NFL size. You know, <laughs> he's what five five. I think he's he's tiny. Um, but he gave he gave a lot of defenses fits in the Big Twelve. You know, and he's he's I, I love the story with his his dad and the scout. 
Um, I heard he, they say he, he wouldn't grade his son. You know, he didn't want a conflict of interest. He wouldn't, he wouldn't turn in a scouting report. He was like, someone else has to handle this. And then they end up drafted him. So that was, that was cool. You know, we got our, our tear jerker, but, uh, you know, we'll see what Deuce Vaughn does. I don't know if you, can you play running back in the NFL at five, five? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can pick returner or power returner. I, I, I just, you know. I don't think you can play slot receiver. I don't think you can play back. I don't think you can play a lot of spots in the field unless you're running a four-two. And last I checked here, he might be running something that fast. But five-five is not. I never want to take a guy down until I see him in the NFL. So we'll see. There's so many different things here. There's all these edge guys who are getting drafted who are smaller than we've ever seen before, getting picked higher and higher. You know, so the NFL is clearly going a little bit more athleticism wise and less bigger guys. But it's just one of those things where at the end of the day, I I, I like a lot of the picks and I hate a lot of the picks. But Deuce Vaughn's one that I want to leave, just leave as is. I don't want to say, hey, Deuce Vaughn's going to be great or Deuce Vaughn's going to be bad just because of his height and his size. The guy has been 5'5", five, five, and we don't see guys who are 5'5", five, five making in college. So why couldn't he make it in the pros? You know, I mean, we yeah, we see all this athleticism, all this skill, all he's this whatever, player. and it's like, yeah, and it's like, all he right, like, care that he's what? five five. He's a great football player. Yeah, and and for his for all for all dudes and purposes here, like he's probably not growing. He's probably not getting any taller. He's twenty one, but then again, he's not twenty five with like five thousand years of experience on him coming out of college either. Where it's like, oh man, really, what are you doing? It's like it's a six round pick. See what we got. Having a great story. And then the worst thing that happens is, is that he joins the Cowboys coaching staff later on or something, you know, just like his dad does. And he's like one of the best coaches ever because he had to go through all this adversity. So he's able to coach up guys like no other. You know, I mean, that that's generally like some of those stories, you know, at the end of the day, I hope he, I, Hey, as a Dallas Cowboys fan still to this day, basically because my dad loves watching him and I love watching him with him. But I, I, I hope Deuce Vaughn takes the Cowboys to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that would be an incredible story. That'd be like the coolest story ever, right? So never against it. But then again, there's generally speaking a reason why guys like this don't work out. There's generally speaking guys, a reason why guys like Anthony Richardson could be a Cam Newton, but that's the best possible they could ever be because the height, size, and skill level, it's like, all right, how many times is a quarterback going out there and you're like, you know what? Oh my gosh, cannot believe he had such a long jump. Like, mm, no. Not necessarily talking about the broad jump. I mean, sometimes we're talking about the speed and athleticism, but like we're not really going in on, oh my gosh, cannot believe this running back can bench 700 pounds. It's like, all right, like, like cool. Like, but very Jaylen, cool. J- Jalen Hurts was not getting drafted in the second round and was not getting hired because he can, uh, he can squats, you know, six plates, right? Like he's getting drafted that because he's a damn good football player. And that's why Deuce Vaughn's getting drafted. It's not because of anything because of he's not he's not going to not get drafted because of the height and size here. But I think I'm overstating my point. Great story. Let's see where it goes. You know, six, six round or later, it's great if you make it past training camp, honestly. Yeah, and that's one of those things. Um, now following like spring football, a lot of these guys, it's like, all right, like USFL and XFL have the rights to these guys if they don't make it in the NFL. And it's like, all right, well, both of the spring leagues are hoping that, you know what, like next year, these guys will be on their rosters, be able to see how they do and whatever. But these guys are going, we just want to still be, we want to, we want to keep it at that level. We want to keep it as the, the top level, see how we can do because the NFL is just one of those leagues where there's so many players that there's not really a triple a, you know, or a double a or a single a of NFL. There doesn't need to be because every single year, there's just a pool of guys. There's 250 picks, and some are still going, well, it's not enough picks because Brock Purdy got drafted last in the NFL draft last year and started in a playoff game. There should be more picks. There should be worse guys than Brock Purdy. You just never know. Yeah, you, you don't know. And, I mean, every now and then there's a crossover. I mean, for some would some would argue that, you know, the triple A of the NFL is, is kind of the practice squads of those yeah. same NFL teams, you know, the guys who, who aren't technically yeah. on the roster, but we, some guys get, you know, called up quote unquote, you know, from the practice squad when there's a need and everything. And, um, 
it's not a perfect comparison to, to minor league baseball, but, but the practice squad is kind of where the guys that, that don't make the roster, they ha- still have a chance to prove themselves. You know, they're still in the building. They're still in the organization. So that's cool. And then every now and then you got a guy like PJ Walker who will, who will come over from uh, where, where was he? The, was he the, XF, the US, XF, the XFL, XFL, the last yeah. XFL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and then he, he started games for the, for the Panthers at quarterback. So there's there's guys that make the leap and um you know you being with the USFL like there's there's always going to be there's going to be guys that would rather do that and have the only football eyeballs you know in the spring on them you know rather than than sit on an NFL roster and wait for a chance to play so i wouldn't really argue with either decision i wouldn't argue you know if i if i was a if i was a young player like i i i would get both opportunities you know they they both are just that they're opportunities to prove yourself you're going to you're still going to have to prove yourself to whatever coaching staff you get uh you know you get sent to but i think uh i think i think ideally these leagues are going to want guys to 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 come show what they can do and uh the the rules are similar enough they get it's essentially the same game and there's definitely great athletes out there and teams need great athletes. So if you can impress on a stage, more power to you. I hope you get a chance. No kidding. Uh, I mean, it's um, one of those things that I don't know if I could ever be an NFL scout. There's so many things going to each individual individual position. It's just incredible. And hats off to everyone who drafts guys because at the end of the day, like, well, I think the Raiders GM, the Raiders GM went on the uh, Ryan Russillo podcast not too long ago. And it was when he picked, I believe, like fourth overall. I think it was Clay Campbell, I want to say. Um, Clay, it was the Cleveland same, Farrell. Cleveland Farrell. Thank you. It just, but it's the yeah. same draft as Max Crosby. Um, and the deal is, is like, hey, if, if the Raiders had picked Cleveland Farrell in the same spot they picked Max Crosby, we're, we're probably not talking about him as a huge bust. But you just never know. Instead, if you switch those guys' spots, it's like, oh, my gosh, great draft pick. They got Max Crosby, even though it's a number four. So I wonder in a year from now if we'll be going, they drafted Anthony Richardson for, how do we talk ourselves into that guy? Or will it be, oh my gosh, Will Levis is not going to play in the NFL. Because I think that's right where we're at with Malik Willis right now. Of like, back-to-back years he drafted a quarterback. Mm, not not the greatest sign for your team. Yeah, not the greatest, not the greatest sign. Especially when you almost make the playoffs two years in a row. You know, so... Yeah, you um, want uh, you want one guy. I know you're a big predictions guy. Yeah, but this yeah. is uh, and I hate to you know I had I hate to shout out the Aggies too much. You know the the Longhorns had a great draft with with Bijan going on the top. That's the best thing you know that we've sent to the NFL in some time. Uh, so that that was great to see. If there's a guy that that inexplicably fell a very long way that I think will be an NFL starter in the the in the fifth round, the Jaguars picked up Antonio Johnson. A, a defensive back from uh, from AM. Go watch this guy play. I love everything I see from this guy. He he absolutely has a nose for the football, planting guys into the ground. You see him see him given a hundred percent effort on every play, which I love to see. I guys, a lot of guys take plays off. Antonio Johnson, I think, is the real deal. I don't know why he fell so far. Credit the Jags for taking a swing on him, but uh that's my that's my hidden gem of this of this draft. The last ones that I've given out uh, post draft in the past, so, still waiting on them. So so don't listen to me. But Antonio Johnson is uh, is my crazy value guy that that a team that a team recognized. So there's my there's my little uh, prognostication for the future. Love it. Well, I'm going to shout out two guys, the two Oklahoma State guys. And invite them formally to join on the podcast anytime they're free. Jason Taylor is second, got drafted in the seventh round by the Los Angeles Rams. Hopefully he has the best NFL career ever, proves every single person wrong. He had so many big play moments for Oklahoma State where he blocked a, blocked a field goal to win at in Boise State. Incredible, incredible play. Blocks it with like the tip of his glove. He runs back a weird like fumble kind of interception deal to beat K-State, again, at K-State, for Oklahoma State as well. And those are just some heartfelt, great memories I have watching those games with my dad. Like, Jason Taylor is the man. And the other guy, Tyler Lacey, gets drafted in the fourth round by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even though it's a Chargers fan, the Jaguars really ripped out my heart in the playoff game last year. 
I'm hoping that uh, Kellen Moore can fix that a little bit here. It's the new Dallas, it's the uh, Dallas Cowboys two Los Angeles Chargers offensive coordinator here. But Tar Lacey getting drafted by the Jaguars. Props to him and props to all the Cowboys in the league. Anyone ever want to join the podcast here? Patrick, I'd love, love to interview it. you. Talk to Get you a little on. bit. Quiz yeah, him a one. little bit just about <laughs> what, what makes him what what makes you tick. What what got you into football? You know all the uh, all the softball questions we can and make you look the best here and give you all the good sound bites here for social media. But with that being love said, it. Patrick, thanks so much for joining. Got to have you back on here again soon. Got to talk some baseball. Baseball season's fully underway. You know, talk about the uh, those Houston Astros that I think you're still a fan of, right? Absolutely. They're doing fine. They're doing fine. It's early. You know, about 500 right now. We're playing the Phillies right as we speak. A little World Series uh, rematch. So they're going to be fine. We'll see you in October. Well, we hope to see you in October as well as the Padres. We're now one game over 500 after basically having our own home run derby in uh, Mexico City here at 7,000 plus feet in elevation. So that being said, please follow on Twitter and Instagram for more if you're not already. And Patrick, thanks for joining. Catch you guys again soon.